Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Gwen Stacy. One Mary Jane Watson. One weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Norman, literature geek and writer. I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You hope for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. Hey, Eric. You just you just hit the jackpot. What What is it? What I get? I don't know. Oh. Apparently you, you win one woman. <laughs> Never seen that at a casino. Mm, not going to the the casinos that apparently give you people. I don't know. <laughs> not in the Vegas, at least. They're off the strip. No. They're off the strip. You have, to, you have to venture ways away. Yeah, they're probably in a very scary place. Hey, that's my how you guys do it out there. Hopefully we'll have no more human trafficking discussion, but who knows? I, you never know. <laughs> you it's know. fucking strange times Things that happen. we live in. Yeah. Later on, we will be discussing Spider-Man Blue by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Hence the hence the love interests, the Peter mm-hmm. Par- Peter Parker love interests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well said. Yeah. Uh, before that, though, we have comic books that came out this past week to discuss. Eric, this past week. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. It is time for weekly <laughs> floppies. We floppies is the part of the show Eric and I will review a selection of this week's books. Tell you to buy or do not buy them. There may may, may not be a mushmere involved. It goes from one to five. If we are feeling a little mushy about our thoughts, our first book is Redlands. Redlands number Redlands, one. Redlands. Redlands. Really? What's red? What's wrong with Redlands? I sure. It's one word. It's Chitlands uh, issue one. It's not Redlands. It's Redlands. Sure. Sure. Written uh, in colors by Jordi Belair, uh, art Vanessa Del Rey, Clayton Cowles on letters and production. It's an odd thing that uh, Jordi wrote this book. It's her, I think, her f- first big creator-owned creator, creator owned, uh, product that she's written. Yeah, I certainly haven't. It's not been on my radar anyway of anything that she's written. She's written like I backups on things, I think. Ah, uh, okay. Cool. Um. Witches, Good on her. witches in rural Florida in the seventies. Sure. What do you think? Um, this is. Um, I, I remember reading through this that I thought that the dramatic hook is very good, in that it sets stakes really well and gets you interested. But I could give a shit about these characters. And I kind of feel like they should have done more to establish character in this. That it's essentially what is like a two-minute scene in a movie or a TV show is this whole comic. There's just not enough in here. Other than that, everything is, you know, perfectly well executed. It it looks good, and it's not like it's badly done in any particular way other than, you know, I would really just prefer i don't know more character not just these guys getting killed and if it's about the witches why can't we put that a little bit 
closer to the front, maybe start after this issue and flash back to it. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's what I would say as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think this, I mean, this issue is telling us, hey, this is about the witches. This is going to be about them moving forward. Like they, because yeah. we are seeing basically the last bastion of authority in this town being wiped out by them. And now they're in control. Everything that happens in here, you could tell in two pages, maybe three, and then you can tell me more about them. Like, basically, anything you needed to know about this really does kind of happen in the last three pages. I, I, I don't I don't know. This is a lot of fluff. Yeah, a lot of shit that just doesn't matter. It's a lot of mood. Yeah. And I think the average person how much you like it is how much you can appreciate that. I, I like, I mean, I like Vanessa Del Rey. I like her art, uh, pretty much everything I've read, uh, to varying degrees. Um, Jordy's colors are always great. Mm-hmm. I, this I would read perfectly transparently in a six issue trade or something like that. Yes, exactly. I think that it, I don't, I, I'm curious just because mm-hmm. I respect the people working for this, working on this. And I know that they're smart and talented. Yeah. But like I said, I, I think it establishes the drama very well. Just yeah. Yeah. does nothing for character. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's a pretty important distinction to draw here. Yeah. I I, I don't know. It's I'm I'm very curious about what it's going to do because I'm I am intrigued by the setting, by the mood, by the art, but it doesn't it, it's not. The hook for me is not it, because there's not much character stuff. It's more all the tangential things, the things that make you want to keep reading this. And I hope that the character comes along with it. But I don't know. I'm still. I, I think I'm still by. Like despite, I think everything you've said is entirely correct. I think I'm still a buy. I still want to see issue two. I want to know what happens. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, this is not in any shape or form a bad comic book. I just think that. You know, Jordy's not like, uh, she's a little, it, it feels a little bit like a green mistake to shape your story this way. A couple of years of writing, and I think this would be fine. You know, I think it just needed to be pushed around, revised a little bit, but not bad. I, I, I think it's worth checking out and will probably be a good series. It has, it looks like it has legs anyway. Yeah, I'm, I, that's the thing. Like, I'm intrigued enough by it to, to get more, but this is functionally it's a teaser, mm-hmm. but it's a good teaser, so I'm okay. Yeah, with this it. is like the cold opening of a television show. It, it it's there's not a lot of substance here. Double by Red Redlands Redlands number one. Is it pick a side here? Redlands. Pick the wrong side. <laughs> Our next comic is Inhumans, Once in Future Kings, number one, written by Christopher P- Priest, Art, Phil Noto, uh, with Ryan North and Gustavo Duarte on the backup story, the Lockjaw backup, with letters by Joe Sabino. Dude, I liked this way the hell more than I thought I was going to. No, I. this is what I want out of an Inhuman story. Yeah, I think it's what we need out of an Inhuman story, because it addresses all the fucked up weird shit. It, like, doesn't shy away from it, and it really establishes good character for these really key players, and we're not bogged down with a bunch of weird shit that doesn't matter. This is a good story, and I'm really hooked. Yeah, it doesn't... It's substantial. Mm-hmm. And it nails the tone... Cur- like, it... it I, I would say that everyone... Like, 
this is what all the human stories have ever liked and why I really latched onto them for a long time was because they felt like this because the inhumans are such, they're a weird, strange thing. And the moment you start writing them, like they're just another superhero team in the Marvel universe, they lose a lot of their charm to me. And this understands keeping them weird and different is important. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're aliens, their culture, like it, it, you, you should be writing them like science fiction where they have alpha primitives and weird uh, rituals and, and weird uh, power structures and weird issues with nobility and all like lots of different things all going on at one, all at once in this. Uh, And I think it gets it right. It gets all that stuff that I want out of it. It, it, and like this and the, and the, the main black bolt series are the, the, they're, they're both, they both understand that inhumans are better when you're not writing them like superheroes. Because they're kind of not. They're like weird aliens that arrived in the Marvel Universe. Also, I, I like Phil Noto. Um, he's getting to a point where I can appreciate him. <laughs> Although I, I, I don't know. I, I like his Medusa quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's a, pup, a Lockjaw puppy. I like Lockjaw puppy. Of course you do. Of course I do. I also like the backup story with the thing. And Lockjaw. And Lockjaw, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very good. It's cute. Oh, how would it? How is that going to be bad? It's a big fucking puppy. Mm-hmm. He's a well. I mean, he's a big dog. That's right, dog. Dog. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It. it this perfectly. We've touched on this as we've read it in humans comics over the last couple of years as they try to expand. Marvel has tried to expand their influence in their own universe and how a lot of the time it feels like they've missed a the mark. This doesn't. I'm a buy. I like this a lot. Mm, no, I'm I'm fully on board. Double buy. Inhumans Once the Future Kings number one. Next up, to Generations Phoenix and Jean Grey number one. A little bit better than a uh, little bit better title than that Hulk title. Uh, written by Colin Bunn. Pencils R B Silva. Inks Adriano Adriano D Benedetto with R B Silva. Colors Rain Barreto. Letters Travis Lanham. So teen Jean Grey gets. A trip through the time time and space vortex in this issue. How you feel about this one, Eric? Better than the Hulk or worse? Uh, the, the, this is an okay book, <laughs> and it looks lovely and it's fun. And Jean Grey beats Galactus, and that's it's all kind of cool. I I I don't know. Um. I did not dislike the Hulk book, and I don't dislike this. I en- I actually think I enjoy both of them. Mm-hmm. I I I I wonder about like, is this essential? Is this book actually kind of is it is it smart enough? Is it, is it not dumb enough? You know, is it okay? Is it worth buying? I don't know if it is or not. Um, I hate how middle of the road I feel on this because. I think I could completely pass on this, even though there are a lot of things in here that I like. No, it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. For one, it's a very pretty book. Mm-hmm. Um, from, I mean, beginning to end. It, it, and I, but I think I agree with everything you say. I, mm-hmm. it, I feel very much like I feel like that Hulk book where it's like you're, you're, you're putting people who are very talented in, on both the writing and the art on these books. Mm-hmm. And they are, they know a lot of people are going to be seeing them and they're working very hard on them and it's, they're well crafted and they 
feel like it's there's nothing like bad about them, but they don't feel essential. They don't there's there's nothing in this that feels ground groundbreaking. There's nothing in here that is like earth shattering. And when you're doing one shots like this, there's theoretically like giving us, hey, here's your entry point back into this character by them confronting their legacy. Like fighting Galactus is all is all fun and good and stuff. Like that's a really cool scene, and it's again very beautiful. But when I think of Phoenix, I think of three billion people dead, mm. which they they I mean Bendis wrote all uh, an arc about. The, you know, the trial of Jean Grey with the teenage Jean Grey facing those crimes. And this is a chance for her to go face to face with an entity that kills billions of people. And that has, there's just a huge amount of dr- drama there, a huge amount of fuel for that fire you could use easily to a th- thing. Hey, you want to have these two characters see each other and talk. You could, there's a thing right there. Stake Phoenix kills a planet while she, while it's in Jean Grey. But that doesn't happen. And but it's better that we talk of Terax more. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more fun this way. You know, it's not heavy and there's not, you know, we're not talking about genocide or, you know, mass murder. But, like, I feel like that is what the legacy of Phoenix is. I mean, like, that's one thing that the Hulk book did better a little bit was confront what the Hulk has done in his life. And I, But I think that the what a, a problem with some of these teenage X-Men you know, the, the original five who have stayed is they've never, they still haven't confronted what they become. They just, because it's Marvel where they don't want to have to worry about that stuff. They just do it in five issues and then they just forget about it. And like, I, I don't, I, I want these characters to be, I don't, I just don't, under, I don't want to read the original Jean Grey, teenage green Jean Grey again. I want to read the teen, teenage green Jean Grey that has reckoned with what she becomes and maybe alters her own trajectory. And this is just, there's a scene in this where she has the chance to tell her, theoretically tell her future and past self at the same time what she does and she chooses not to. And that disappointed me. Mm. It's probably just so the event doesn't change. Yeah, I know. I I not because, not because Cullen Bunn can't find that drama. No, I, I think the fact that this book even suggests it means that it is a thing that maybe he wanted to do or well, I like I'll, whatever. I don't, I, a thing I, I, I mean, Colin Bunn and Greg Pak are both very good comic book writers. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've read lots of comics from them that I, I, any, I think largely the directions of these comics are, you know, it's editorially driven. I don't think they chose to write these one shots in the middle of, they're busy writing other comics, and suddenly you have all these one-shots with all these characters pop pop up, but they confront their legacy or whatever before they reboot after Secret Empire. And it, I, I, it's the same thing I was facing with those rebirths issues, is that most of them aren't... It's, it's driven by top-level choices from the editorial staff, and the writers and artists are doing their best to make something good out of them. And I, I don't... I, I, I just... I can't think of a reason that unless you're a diehard phoenix or gene gray fan you're gonna want to re- you you don't need this comic it, it's not a need and at this point with how many comics come out in any given week i'm like it's always like do you need to read this especially for marvel or dc when they are putting out 50 or 60 comics a month 
I think I'm a do not buy, despite the fact that I think both the writing and the art is good, if not great. Isn't that where we ended up on the Hulk? I think it was too, yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's the unfortunate thing. This is a book you pick up if you like the art, and you basically pretend the words aren't on the page. So do not buy? Yeah. Okay. Double do not buy, Generations, Phoenix Injury and Grey, number one. Next up. First Strike, a Hasbro comic book event, written by Mar- Marguerite Scott and David A. Rodriguez, art Max Dunbar, colors Andres Zarate, letters Tom B. Long. Combining the worlds of G.I. Joe, Mask, Rom, Micronauts, and Transformers. He Starscream's like the Transformer president? That was the thing that stood out to me in this comic. That's what stood out? Yeah. I was just like, oh, okay, Starscream's the president. All right. Doesn't seem like the president type to me, but okay. Apparently there's like, if, if, uh, I, people have, I know, have read all these Transformers comics, the modern ones, and they're very good if you follow all of them or something, but I, we haven't, maybe we will someday. This is a big event, and I, theoretically, it is meant to draw the average reader in, the average comic book reader in, and maybe attach them to some of these toy lines that they liked as a children, as a child, as a children. Mm-hmm. Does it as one children as one children does that does it do anything for you, Mister? I wish I could throw this book in the trash. <laughs> okay, that's not that's not not to know then. Very perceptive. Yeah, I'm a smart guy. This book is fucking. I don't like this. You don't like it? I do not like it. You do you, you like it? No. Good. I don't think so. It's not. It's not good. It's a mess. I. I, I I can't make heads or tails what the hell's... They just introduce a bunch of characters that I don't remember or don't know. And Also, the costumes are brown. Everything's brown. Um, It's just like... It's just not great. It's... uh, It's... Frankly, I don't... Maybe if you're reading all of these books, you'll get something out of this. I think it says something about who you are as a person... (laughs) If you're already reading, and I don't mean that as negative, you're laughing, um, which is fine, but I think it says something. You're already a huge G.I. Joe fan or whatever if you're already reading all of these. Mm -hmm. I definitely don't care enough to commit to all of that. I mean, that's just crazy. And this is... if, If this is better and easier to understand, if I've read a hundred other books... I, I don't know. It 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 does not make me care about these characters. It does not make me feel happy or nostalgic. Look back on this stuff. I find it very uninteresting. I could really have done without reading this, and I can't. I can't recommend it to anyone. It is definitely not for me. If you're you know, if you're 30 something years old and you're dying for more G.I. Joe in your life, then maybe you should read this. I don't think there's anything wrong with G.I. Joe or comics based around these properties. I just what this is and its execution are not not for this guy. I, I can very happily live with never looking at this book again. I think it fails in bringing aboard a new reader. No, absolutely, yeah. That, I, I think I said that, but in 50,000 words. <laughs> Not, I don't think it was quite 50,000. I mean, I was like the micro-machine guy. <laughs> right. 
Uh, I think my takeaways is, uh, Transformers, I think, look cool mm-hmm. in general. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm surprised Starscream's president. Uh, I think this is, uh, like you said, coming in, if this is a number one, uh, it, I, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff happening in this and it feels, the, the thing I'm supposed to be taking away from it feels muddled and mm-hmm. it doesn't, it, it doesn't make me want to read number two. Uh, it, it, I, 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 I gleaned something, you know, you, there's a American, a GI Joe guy who doesn't like Transformers because they're going to kill us all. And I think at the core of that, there could be some interesting story, you know, like it doesn't matter if they're nice right now, they're giant killing machines and I'm going to wage war with them. Okay. There's something interesting there, but we meet like 50 characters in this comic book. <laughs> that's, that's way too many. Yeah. I, I'm a do not buy. Eric is also a do not buy. We're a double do not buy in first strike number one. <laughs> I'm gonna say, bro. I felt like I was pretty clear. <laughs> Our final book of the week is Mr. Miracle, number one. Written by Tom King, Mitch Gerads, pencil, inks, and colors, Clayton Cows on letters. So Mr. Miracle for you. Mm-hmm. I'd like to celebrate the return of the Sheriff of Babylon um typewriter font. Mm-hmm. I don't know what what this is going to be by the end, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm very intrigued by it. It is a weird fucking book. Mm-hmm. It, like it's weird at like how it juxtaposes a lot of things that are very normal. Mm-hmm. Like it it manages to feel very normal and very weird at the same time. I guess that's some kind of statement about uh, his name is Scott Free. I was going to say it's scot-free. Yep. I mean, I suppose that's supposed to be saying something about his character, about him and Barda. I I, I don't know. I, I do. Tom King is still tough. He, he can hardly do wrong for me. I, I adore what he does, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see how this pans out. Yes, it, it's, it is Tom King writing the nine-panel page. Mm-hmm. Again, um, it's I, I don't know. Mitch, I think I like Gerard's art in this more than Sheriff of Babylon. Um, I I mean it's not like I don't they're... dislike it. I I like the way he draws uh, Mister Miracle. I would say everything else is I I think the I don't know. I like Sheriff of Babylon a lot. No, this Sheriff, is still I a mean, very well done book. I I mean Sheriff of Babylon is great. I don't get me wrong. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, art-wise, I think I enjoy it more. Okay, is what I'm driving at. I, I think his style doesn't isn't necessarily always suited to, for superhero comics. Um, mm-hmm. I think he he did you know he did that Swamp Thing issue, and that was very good. Yeah. And I think this is I think I think Tom King is you know they at this point know each other very well. I think King writes for him very well, and you know this makes me think of the Vision first and foremost, uh, because it is a you know juxtaposing the normal and the weird right next to each other and the vision is very much about a a very strange creature confronting normality but this after one issue of the vision i knew immediately where it where it was headed like what direction it was like what it was trying to what what it it told me the story it was going to try to tell i don't know where this is going Uh i don't know it it has mr miracle kill himself to try and escape death and he's going off into a, 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 a to, to fight dark side and 
he's going on talk shows with glorious godfrey it's a this is a weird ass comic book but i feel like whatever it does it you know they've already come out and said it's gonna be 12 issues it's a maxi maxi series it's after that it's done and i am very curious to see what happens um I don't think any, this book is not surprising anyone at this point. I think the vision that it was surprising because Tom King hadn't had a reputation yet, but now he's, he's writing Batman and I don't think, and DC is putting their full weight on marketing this book, but I think it's going to be very interesting to watch this thing. And I imagine we'll be doing a book club on it as soon as it is done. If the temptation to just read it all isn't too great. No, I mean, I'll be, I will be reading it all as we go, but. It's 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 a book that I think of the entire the entirety of it will merit a, the full discussion because pretty much all of the Tom King stuff has done that and as you continue I think it's only going to be I don't know that the a story like that but with the new gods in the DC universe ver- another set of variables to, to and, and symbols and imagery to 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 use it's very interesting to me but I'm a buy very clearly I'm a buy. Yay. Yay. Scott Free talking to dead people. Somebody's got to. Yep. Double buy. Mr. Miracle number one. Uh, that'll do it for Weekly Floppies. This week. Until next week. Mm-hmm. Well, t- till tomorrow, actually. But we can move on. How about that? Sound good? Yeah, okay. Okay. It is time for checking in. Checking in is the part of the show where Eric and I will talk about what we've been doing over the past week or so. Make recommendations, talk about nerdy stuff, or about whatever we feel like, really. How'd your show go, Eric? I haven't talked to you. Um, it was fine-ish, I guess. Turnout was low. That's kind of what happens when it happens the same day of a, of a huge white nationalist riot. Yeah, not gonna necessarily... Yeah. It's not gonna encourage people to go out. Yeah, I I didn't even I checked my messages and one of my friends was like, yeah, I, I'm I'm actually not leaving the house because my family's so scared of all the shit that's happening in Virginia, um, and th- that didn't even really occur to me. It was in the back of my mind that that might have been why some people didn't come, but there are people that literally did not come <laughs> because, uh, but yeah, um, well, it could have been worse. I mean, I I. Whenever I throw an event like that, I want it to be like a big party, and it was just like a little chill thing when, you know, some people that actually showed up bought some original pieces, and that's actually better. It could have definitely been a lot worse. Is Brian May still out there? Yeah. I may have to talk to you about that. You may. I may have to talk to you about that. You may. But it it was um, disappointing a little bit, you know, in that. But I don't. It really couldn't have gone too many other ways. There were also other a lot of events happening, and you know, they were closer to home for most people. And I don't know. It's fine. Can't really complain too much. I believe that's all I've done. That's all you've done. Well, I mean, I've finished like paintings, two, two, two big ones, and they were. I mean. I, there were two shows, and I was in—I mean, I was in two shows the same night. My own solo show, and uh, a show in St. Petersburg, which I went to after uh, after my show closed down. So I had both of those things. 
So not a whole lot of that. I have been talking to uh, the editor at How To Geek, technically my editor. So I think I'm going to try and cool it on uh, the shows and art at least a little bit. And try and do some writing. I think I want to get back to doing that. Sort of shift my big project focus to that. Now that I've gotten this this second show out of the way, I've, I've I don't know I've done the things that I wanted to do, well, you often, know, in terms of Tampa Bay and Heroes and in oftentimes taking a break from those, you know, pivoting to different kinds of art will often refresh yourself to mm-hmm. you know, get more energy and fuel for other things. Yeah, you don't want to get burnt out burnt out on anything. No, I I was tempted to do things like there's a tattoo convention and uh, a lot of the artists that I met, you know, they were either tattoo artists themselves or really tattoo aficionados or like whatever. And a lot of them suggested that I do, um, it's not called villain arts, but like villain arts runs all these different tattoo conventions. And there's one in Tampa and Miami. And I wanted to do the one in Miami and like split the booth area with like two other artists and then I just realized, I'm like, I don't really want to spend that money. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to rent a room in Miami. I don't want to take the time off. I just I need to just sort of hunker down and do some other things for a while. Take mm-hmm. it easy. Yeah, I agree. Not, uh, not kill myself. Good idea not to do that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I need to do more jujitsu. I need to choke people. Okay. Choking people, man. All right. I trust. I trust you. Mm-hmm. That's a trust choke. Trust. I wasn't aware that those existed. Eh. I mean, you know, if you're sparring with someone, okay. I any 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 choke is a trust choke. I guess that's fair. <laughs> Please don't kill me. Yeah, exactly. There are probably a lot of dudes at my gym that could kill me. I went to Montana. I listened to the song Montana in your <laughs> I, in your honor. I listened to it too after you said it to me, and I went, "Nope, still not really." Yeah, mm, they're gonna not raising up a crop of dental floss. No, huh? no dental floss for me. Uh, I went to Missoula, Montana, for a, a two day festival, Travelers Rest, uh, put on by the Decemberists. They brought in a bunch of bands to Missoula, and uh, I've never seen the Decemberists. I like them a lot, and uh, wanted I had an opportunity to see them. So we did it. We took the weekend. Uh, drove 10 hours down from Edmonton to Missoula. Alberta's a very flat place until you get to the mountains. But the mountains are very pretty around Montana. Montana's a very pretty place, even though it was very dry and there was a lot of smoke from the BC fires. But it was still very pretty. The mountains were very pretty. Glacier Drove through Glacier National Park. Very gorgeous place. Absolutely wish I could spend more time there. We didn't have it, but uh, I you know, it's one of those places that you're like, I could spend like a week camping here and just stare at nature, all that stuff. Concert was great. Uh, Decemberists are a really cool band. I'm glad I got to see them. Neat. Yeah. And wear glasses and sing through their nose. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. I like the Decemberists, but that is the thing that he does. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Play the hurdy-gurdy. Mm-hmm. I... There was a lot of instruments on stage. Yeah, of course. There's many. They had they had a a row of like twenty different little tiny amps because the the easiest solution is just to have a lot of different instruments on smaller amps. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Missoula is a cool place. Uh, it reminded me of Gainesville, Florida, where it's a you're firmly in conservative country, and then you have a college town in the middle of it, a little bit like Austin too. Austin, Texas. 
where it's, you know, pretty progressive left, all the young people, and then all the rednecks living around outside of it are decidedly not. I believe when we went to the farmer's market in downtown Missoula, there was an old man wearing a shirt that said, Black Guns Matter. Yep, I've seen that one. Probably mm-hmm. just on the internet anyway. I, a, a man pushing his, what I assume his wife in a wheelchair, he was wearing that shirt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the G1 climax ended. Wrestle, Japanese wrestling is 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 done for a little bit. They they take a break now for a couple weeks, where the guys who killed themselves for a month straight get to breathe after they've been dropped on their neck a couple times. But I I've said it multiple times already. But I it, it the quality of the in ring match the the product is staggering. It is like some of the best matches I've ever seen in my entire life all took place in this one tournament. <laughs> and there's so, so many great matches that you forget about the ones that took place earlier on. And you're like, Oh, right. That match. Cause, uh, Eric Steinberg was watching them catching up behind me. And he was like, he's, you know, t- texting me about this or that. I'm like, Oh, right. The time that Kenny Omega did a one legged moonsault off the second rope. I, I forget that even happened. Or he, or Michael Elgin gave him a burning hammer. There's, it's just, it, it's really staggering. It's really crazy. Uh, Tetsu and Naito won the tournament, which a lot, most people predicted. It's not exactly unpredictable, but it's still great, great match he had with Kenny Omega in the finals. Kenny Omega beat Okada in their, in their trilogy. Um, I don't know. It doesn't, words cannot, like, def- describe how good the wrestling was. Like, like I've said, go jump in, go watch it. You can go what like go look at just you can there's multiple resources now that are people offering translations of commentary and backstage interviews and stuff from all the Japanese wrestlers and like I'm not not really following WWE right now and if SummerSlam is like in a week or something but I you know I might watch half of it it's six hours long it's a lot in one night a lot of hours it is a lot of hours especially when half of it would be very boring uh. Other than that, I just done I done a lot of driving. I need to do some writing, like you said. I need to do that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do whatever the weekend. I just haven't had the chance because I've been driving to Montana. Gonna raise up a crop of dental the floss. Crop of dental floss, but that's about it for me. Gonna get me a horse, <laughs> just about this big. And I'm gonna ride it. I'm in the moonlighty light. I'm still firmly not Frank Zappa fan. <laughs> I, I I respect him, but I I I I, I don't care. Kind of get used to people not liking Frank Zappa. I gave it That's a shot. Fine. I gave it a shot. It's just whatever. I don't know something about him that just can't doesn't cut through. He was a weirdo. He was a weirdo. Made That's a, lo- a big... made a lot made a lot of art that he really liked. I'm sure. I think that's important. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree. Or I do agree. You ready to talk about Spider-Man, Eric? Why would I not? I'm always going to talk about Spider-Man. I don't know. I, I, let's, we, well, let's save it uh, for the actual segment. We can move on to our final segment. It is time for Nerdboy Book Club. Nerdboy Book Club. This is the part show where Eric and I sign along our collected work and discuss it in depth like you would a book club. Except it's a comic book and it has pictures. Pictures? Well, sort of. Art. Art pictures? Illustrations. Jeez. 
uh, written by Jeff Loeb, art by Tim Sale, the dynamic duo. Mm-hmm. This is one of the several Marvel heroes. They did they did uh, books like this for all kind of look flashing back to moments in their past. This is this actually has a frame around it, a frame yeah. narr- frame narrative of Peter Parker basically recording his recording uh, uh, recording he's talking to, to he's talking to to Gwen, Gwen Stacy's ghost yes he is re- just talking to a tape recorder to Gwen even the after much long after she has died he is this is theoretically set in the present day because he's married to Mary Jane at the time mm-hmm. before uh you know Marvel murdered the Peter Parker that I loved knew and loved mm-hmm it's interesting that you say that I don't think this book is bad, but I read it and it kind of makes me walk away thinking I don't like Spider-Man. I think, here's what I think, Eric. Mm -hmm. I think Tim Sale is a tremendous artist. I think this book is gorgeous. I think, I think, frankly, his similarities to Steve Ditko Mm. in ways. It's a very classic looking spy like it it translates really well to spider-man i think i think it works really well mm-hmm. and i think i could have tim sale draw any spider-man book forever for the rest of time well you were clearly dancing around your feelings so why don't you just spit it out i don't think this book is written very well at all i think that's interesting i i don't necessarily agree with that i don't think that it's I don't see what's bad about it. Um, why don't you tell me? To me, I look at what happens in this story, and it just makes me... It feels very much like that Ditko era. It I... feels right at home in that, just as hokey. This... this this Spider-Man is like maybe a couple of years younger than my grandfather was. Mm-hmm. No, I, you know, like, it, 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 like all that. I don't see necessarily like what's badly. It's, it's almost like, it's almost like a slice of life Spider-Man story and that it doesn't really seem to have too much of an arc here. It's just, I don't know. That's what I'm saying, I think. A I bunch have... of sketches, a bunch of scenes. Yes, I. that's and my it, it, yeah. problem. And, it, and it's got that low prop of, here's this character, here's this character, here's this character, here's this character. And it does kind of come off as a lot of fluff. But, I mean, t- for me, it doesn't really bother me. But it is just like... like an, uh, it's just like him giving sale an opportunity to draw this stuff and draw all these dumb classic spider-man i mean i simultaneously like it and i come away thinking man all this spider-man stuff that i love when i was young is fucking terrible like these villains are so dumb like these stories are not good or fun or are are funny or well they are they are fun but it's just dumb god it's just so I don't think I, I think it it captures I, I don't know I I I feel like it's very muddled mm-hmm. I feel like it's not necessarily the moment to moment writing that fails 
at all. I feel like, yeah, it, it does feel like mm -hmm. the, the man, it captures the mannerisms of, of the Ditko, uh, Stanley Spider-Man to a certain extent by, but it, I don't want to, that just to be written again. Yeah. Like Jeff Loeb has made a career uh, of, of like rehashing older comic books and revitalizing them with Tim Sale. That's what he did with Batman with Dark Victory. It's just, here's Batman and Robin for the first time again. And it, I don't, if you're gonna write a comic that is about Peter Parker eulogizing Gwen, I want a grander scope to this thing. I want it to actually do something other than here's Tim Sale drawing his ass off, and then here's a bunch of little scenes that add up to nothing. I, I, I want, hey, Gwen Stacy, the death of Gwen Stacy is often heralded as the death of that era of comics, the death of the Silver Age. And I think there's a lot of potential there for Peter Parker to be eulogizing both her and maybe addressing how comics have changed, how nostalgia, nostalgia changes our perspective on things, maybe on how things seemed simple at the time, but they actually weren't. Whatever. There's a lot of stuff there. That's what I think of when I think of Gwen Stacy. And I think what, honestly, like what Spider-Gwen and all, like I think those, her coming back in the alternate form and like all those different, I think those books have actually said something about that to a certain extent, even in, in, in their kind of scope is much smaller. This book is like, here's some scenes with Spider-Man with Peter Parker being nebbish around Mary Jane and Gwen Stacy at the same time without actually saying much of anything at all. Uh, it uh, it it pretty clearly points out the teen boy fantasy that Spider Spider Man is get superpowers and all the hot girls love you. Mm -hmm. which, yeah, which that is actually a pr that's after kind of I mean be, like that's the post Ditko era that all that that he actually became a, a more of a ladies man whatever. That's what he is in this. I mean, compared to the. I mean, they reference it a couple times, like, uh, you know, when I was the nerdy Park, Parker with, Peter Parker with glasses, basically, is, mm -hmm. that's basically that, when he, yes, when he was, when he wouldn't just, like, wet himself when a girl would talk to him. Uh, I don't know, it, it, it feels like a lot, it doesn't feel like it ever, it ever meets the expectation that when you choose that as your, your frame story of, I am talking to this girl, that I that I contributed to her death, and it never confronts responsibility or guilt. Gwen Stacy is really not in this comic a lot. Mm -hmm. Even and Mary Jane has more time than her, but not still not that much. It's like it, it, like here's a vignette with the Vulture, and here's a vignette with Kurt Connors, and I'm like I don't I I can go back and read the Steve Ditko or or the the uh, Buscema. Spider-Man. And it's like those, I, I think Ditko and Buscema were great artists. And Tim Sale was also great, but it's, this is, there's no recontextualization here. This is just, mm -hmm. this is just the same thing reproduced and it doesn't do anything for me. There are a lot of these books. We've talked, we've, we've hit almost all of them at this point. I don't mean the Loeb Sale books, right. but what you're describing. Yeah. I mean, the, um, 
Why do I always blank out on his name? Darwin. Darwin Cook. Right, yeah. <laughs> that Darwin Cook book that is, I mean, it's just nothing but pure 50s or 60s wankery. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I enjoy this more than that, but I do think that this is mostly that. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, um, New Frontier. I Yeah, New Frontier. I think this... I don't know. It's it's the new frontier. I like that a lot, mainly because it's Darwin Cook drawing it, and it mm-hmm. looks absolutely beautiful. I don't really care about much what's going on. It's kind of whatever uh, for the most part. And this is very much like I I think this is absolutely gorgeous. I think I think Tim Sale always. I think I always like his art. Frankly, uh, I just don't think this ever. It never get. There's no point. There's no perspective. There's nothing about this more than remember when Gwen was alive. Now she's not. I don't know that it. It feels like you have this chance, this opportunity, to say something about comic books and about superhero comics and how what heroes mean and how what death means. Like they talk about, he talks about Uncle Ben in this, and I'm like, well, why don't you draw on the legacy of Spider-Man, like people close to Spider-Man dying? But that doesn't happen. This it, it feels like it it wants it's trying to be too saccharine. It doesn't want to confront any kind of real darkness. And like you have Craven as a hero, and I you know I think of Craven's Last Hunt, which is probably the best Spider-Man story, eating spiders and all, mm. or at least one of them. I'd say one of. I don't know. I mean, I I've done some thinking about like the best Spider-Man stories, and I've like went thought thought about it i'm like maybe cravens is the best one as i've looked back at the ones i thought were the best i don't know but it it feels like it it has a lot of the worst of the jeff Loeb writing tendencies like certain like it has hey here's eight all your the rogues gallery all of them for no real reason here's every recognizable character mary jane gwen osborne flash thompson it even has Flash joining the army in this, but then he doesn't, like, they don't even draw any poignancy out of that. Like, I, the, like, the way this works for me is if you have him talking about Gwen Stacy and the Green Goblin, and then you cut to him facing a, tr- a present day struggle that makes him think about all that stuff. Like, that would make sense to me. But this is just him sitting in the, at- moping, and he talks about the bad and the good a lot. But it never, I don't feel like that's ever tied into a bow. It never, it never comes back around. Just this, honestly, feels a little lazy. It just feels like leaning on Tim Sale, where you mm. have this uh, a superstar, basically, and yeah, he he'll he'll make this b- book so gorgeous, doesn't matter. So he doesn't have to have a real conclusion. Um, I don't think that any of these uh, low Marvel books have been real knockouts. You said that you had read Hulk. Yeah, I, re- right. I actually really like Hulk Gray. That's what I re- that was my memory that you were a big fan of Hulk Gray, and I've still not read it. Maybe we'll do it eventually. Yeah, I felt like that book wasn't afraid of being ugly. Mm-hmm. No, this is just it's okay. I think that's kind of the beginning and end of it. Man, he draws and Craven real weird. Yeah, he does. I kind of like it though. Weird angular face. Mm-hmm. He looks like a 
monster that steals Russian children. If you're actually, if if I what? If you're Mary Jane, and you find your husband in the attic making tape recordings to his long dead girlfriend, wouldn't she be concerned? Mm-hmm. I would. It's a little weird, for sure. I I don't know. It's like journaling. I think it's more normal than you're making it out to be. People need to deal with stuff in in different ways. And I don't like that was the thing that I was going to say that I actually really like. There, it's not overwhelming. It's not full of it, but the interactions between Gwen Stacy and and MJ and this. I mean, she does. They 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 seem like they were friendly. They're friends, and it, this is like someone that was important in both their lives that died. I don't know. I don't think it's that weird. People have to deal with stuff how they deal with it. Making recordings is a little strange, but it's I don't really see it any stranger than than, than journaling. I would. I mean, it's not that it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. I just, if I found my spouse alone recording to someone who is dead, I would maybe advise therapy. I don't know. It just, it feels... It seems like the kind of thing that a therapist would recommend, to be perfectly frank. It's kind of about processing those emotions. We don't even see I don't know. Like you said, he's complicit. This is a weird sticking point because it doesn't feel too unnatural to me. And I think like you're trying to you're trying to say something about like, oh, he's not over her and we're together and you're still in love with this dead woman. And and I think that I don't know. I think that's unfair that that's like it's a death. It's like a big dramatic thing. And I think like. I don't know. There's always kind of a piece of it that never like goes away when someone dies. So it doesn't, it really doesn't seem that unusual to me. Well, I don't think the process itself is necessarily unusual. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that there's anything else in this book that ties into that. We don't, we don't see her, we don't see her die. Of course. We don't like of all the things this, that it's a thing that I, if the book is about Peter confronting her death and dealing with that. And the, and the book itself is not concerned about it being mired in nostalgia or about old stories. Cause that's all it is. It is like, look at all this old, all these old stories. Why not retell her? Like, why not involve, like I, that's when I was, when I first picked up this book, I'm like, okay, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you, you have the frame story. You have him immediately dealing with Green Goblin. I'm like, all right, this is going to be the Green Goblin and him dealing with uncertainty about identity and about Goblin and killing Gwen Stacy and all that stuff. But it never goes there. And so I'm left with him talking these tapes about uh, talking to Gwen, saying, I I miss you and and I didn't know this at the time, et cetera, et cetera. But then it's just them getting milkshakes and him fighting the rhino with special webbing. Like it, mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I want, if you're gonna be heavy, if you're gonna have Peter in an attic by himself talking to a tape recorder, 
then go there. Don't tell me he loved this woman so much and he's so caught up in his this trauma when all we're seeing in the, of the flashbacks is them going to get coffee and him going, oh, no, I can't attend the party. I got to go take pictures of Spider-Man. I think the book's better if it, I think it, it, it has, like, if it actually just, I, I don't, I don't know what, maybe just didn't want to be mired in that darkness and all that, I guess. I just, mm-hmm. I just wish it, it just went for it. It does feel like its scope is a little too small. I mean, I'm, you're not going to get any arguments from me about that. I, I still think, like, a lot of people really like this book, though. Yeah, I mean, it's a lobe sale Spider-Man book, and it does a lot of stuff that's so classic for Spider-Man that it's almost boring. The Rhino's so retarded. <laughs> it's not a great... Excuse me. I would say, of all the classic Spider-Man villains, the Rhino is pretty... I would, The lowest <laughs> on, on the total... I can't... I have hiccups now. You have the hiccups now? Yes. The rhino gave me the hiccups. <laughs> That's quite a... I didn't know he had that superpower. That's a weird one. It's a secondary mutation. Oh. I didn't, I didn't know he had that either. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Robbie. I can't stop. <laughs> I can't stop. Do you, do you want me to scare you? <laughs> no. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. I think I'm okay. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I had the hiccups. <laughs> I can't. You got the fucking giggles now. I, well, it's better than a hiccup every six seconds or whatever. No, the rhino's bad. <laughs> he gives me the hiccups. He's the ultimate villain. His hiccup powers. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Do you think that. I don't know. I don't. Th- this came out 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I try and like think about that time difference. If that intervening 15 years makes much of a difference, I imagine it would. I it. I mean, I think we have seen more of this in those 15 years. More p- nostalgia ploys of just reliving these. Mm-hmm. You know the 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 bright, happy, tinged areas of 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 comics selling people's pasts back to them their childhoods mm-hmm. but i still don't think that i i just just feels like there's no i i just don't see any through line on this oh there's clearly not one and it, I, I don't disagree with that even a little bit i and i think i need that at this the point. frame story is like even kind of an afterthought to tie it together because it really is just a bunch of little vignettes, Spider-Man vignettes, and kind of, yeah, very disjointed. I mean, I definitely agree with everything you're saying. I just enjoy it a little bit more than you do. I don't know why I got the the idea that Mary Jane and Gwen are, are friendly in this. They're definitely very competitive, but I don't think they really say too much to each other. This book barely passes the Bechdel test if it does at all. I don't think it is focused enough to do any, like it doesn't, mm-hmm. like that's the thing. It just is so unfocused and so scattershot. It doesn't, it's not about anything. It's about 
It's about looking at Tim Sale's art. Mm-hmm. That's what this book is about. I bought it for $2. Well, it's actually free with uh, Comixology Unlimited. Oh, is it? Oh, dang it. <laughs> I didn't have to spend those $2 when the, they had the, the big sale on Amazon. But, I mean, free is even better price. Uh, I think it's Tim Sale's art if you're a Tim I mean, you probably already own this if you're a Tim Sale fan, but... I think that's the that that is the only grounds in which I recommend this book. It is not a good Spider-Man story. It is beautiful Spider-Man art. Yeah. But I want more. Mm. I want more. We are we are spoiled with great comics right now. And this does not cut the mustard, so to say. Anything else you want to say, Eric? Anything else you want to add? Mm-mm. Mustard's delicious. Mustard's good, yeah. I had it some. It's also related to horseradish. I don't like horseradish though. You're wrong. I just it hurts my nose. It's because you're a baby. I'm sensitive. All right, folks. That was Spider-Man Blue by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. You might say it left me a little blue. I'm not gonna say that. Okay. Next week we are reading Black Hole by Charles Burns. I always needed some body horror in my teenage coming of age story. I think it's vital. I mean, that's what my teenage years were. Sure. <laughs> We'll talk about that next week. Hope you read along with us. That'll do it for us this week. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Find links to everything there to our Facebook, facebook.com slash Hour. Twitter at hbchour. You can email us at handsomeboyscomics at gmail.com. Uh, reach out, follow, like, subscribe. Do all those social media words to us. We like it. If you want us to read something, let us know. We'll uh, try and take a look at it. If you like the show, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher Radio, on Google Play, Music, any of those places, anywhere you listen to podcasts, give us a review, subscribe, tell your friends. All those little things add up. Help us find new listeners. We really do appreciate the few minutes it takes to do those things. You can find me on Twitter at Robbie Dorman. Eric, where can you find you and your things online? That's a great question. You can see my portfolio by going to freewillunlimited.com. And you can see most of the things I get up to by going to ericzgoodnight.com. That includes my Instagram and my Twitter, where I'm known on both as Easy Goodnight. With that, we'll call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll.